Well, yes, you're listening to Two Smoking Guns again, but I've got to tell you a little message. We're going to take a little bit of a break over the summer period, but we're going to cobble together some shows. It'll be the summer series, the best of, or the worst of. We're just not quite sure. We're not quite anyway, sure what they're going to be. Anyway, uh, we will be back, but have a safe and wonderful Christmas, and thanks for listening to Two Smoking Guns. with another fantastic show we're going to bring you of Two Smoking Guns. I'm Scotty, and as always, I'm joined by my great mate, sitting there with everything red and green, as long as they're red and green and nothing flashes blue or orange, I think we're okay. Rutsy. Good day to you, mate. How are you, mate? You sounded a little bit like Casey Kasem at the time. Oh, of the no. <laughs> you are. You I, do I, channel him I, from I did, time to time. I, I do channel him from time to time. American Tom American Tough. Boy. Yes, I happen to drift into that, but um, it, it uh, I can report a, from this side of the panel. All red. Are we all good? All red and all firing. All, all red and all green. Yes, all good. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, it sort of reminds me a bit like NASA. You know, you're sitting there, and all yes, of a sudden, yes. something flashes in. You go, Houston, we have. A problem. We have a problem. <laughs> hey, we got some ripping good stuff today um, because I'm going to be today. I'm going to be your life coach yes, and food so director for a day. <laughs> when you walked uh, in and opened with that line, yeah. I went, well, that, "Well, it's good, yeah, because I do need a life coach. Okay. I definitely need a dietitian." And, and then I, uh, well, no, I don't want to be your dietitian. I want to be your food director. Oh, food director. So, sorry, um, sorry, sorry. That's sorry. Is that so, the same as a dietitian? I don't know. No, food director. Sure, but uh, but then when I did mention I was going to talk about 20 of uh, twenty wines uh, that have uh, low alcohol or no alcohol. I said, well, nope, no, park I th- that. I thought you were about to have a harter. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we are going to park that. But uh, it is interesting. We are going to talk about it the other day. Uh, on another day, I should say. Yeah. But I'll tell you what I did do, oh, yeah. mate, because, you know, we like we, we love finding out the origin of things, yes. you know, in terms of, um, you know, the origin of, uh, I don't know, plants or, you know, names that were given to something. So I went through, and I was going to find the origin of some words. Because you know, I'll t- tell you what I found. I was thinking about the other day. Why shampoo called shampoo? It's a, it's a great question. And it's one got, of one of life's great questions. I've actually got the answer. Would yes. you? Would, so if you just bear with me while I yeah. while I just go and find a shampoo. Find, That's so, like a made up name. So that's what I'm saying. So I mean, if it's, you broke if you broke it up and went sham and poo, you're thinking dodgy yeah. crap. I'm not putting that in my I'm head. I'm not putting that on my head, am I? <laughs> so you just go well. There's a, actually a perfectly good explanation. So as he says, as he completely fumbles is it, through, is it is is. Is it right. like is it like a portmanteau, sham no. and poo? No. Uh, well, I don't believe so because here is the descriptive um, understanding: the word shampoo mm. entered the English language from the Indian subcontinent during the colonial era. Really? Yes. Mm. It uh, it dated to 1762 and was derived from Hindi champo. Champo. It's self-derived mm. from the Sanskrit root chapati, which means to press, knead, or soothe. Oh. So it's sort of like putting something in your head like and then you, then you massage your it sort of all in. Probably so, back in the day was to get rid of nits or something so, like well, that. I don't know, but I mean, there you go. There was but just a, a, it was a random go. word. Oh, I thought it was a made-up word. So and it's you... not like nugget or vacuum or yeah, that's right. you know, any of those things. And I just thought... Where the heck did... Who called it shampoo so and now why? You've, now, gee, Here you know, we go. Here we every go. Every day's a every school day on a, two smoking every guns. Every day's a school day. Fantastic. So I'm going to... So I want you to uh, think about some other things in your daily life and you go, why is it called that? Why can't it have... Why wasn't why it a different was it name? Why was it So something that's just not obvious. I mean, why are shoes called shoes? A great question. Hey, I don't know, and I don't know the answer. Why are thongs called thongs? Well, I don't know. 
because they're... Or as they call them in New Zealand. Yep. Jandals. Yeah, uh, jangles. Jandals. Yes. Something like Something that. Something like that. So that led me, and I thought, well, I, I'm, that's going to take well, me... Well, you're taking me down a rabbit hole. I early. know. It's good, isn't it? There's yes. a Pandora's box at the end of that, I reckon, at the, the end of that hole. Into the rainbow. Um, I saw a rainbow this morning. Is there an enigma clouded in mist? I don't know. So, what I, so then what I went on... So I started to do some research mm. about that, and what that led me to was the heading... 25 common words that didn't exist until the 1970s. Oh, fantastic. So we were young whippersnappers in the 70s. So all of a sudden, all these words started to come into our vernacular. And at some point, I'm going to share that with you. Oh, brilliant. I love it. So um, anyway. Talking about origin stuff, did you know that there's a fight over the origin of a chicken parmigiana? I did not know that. (laughs) I had one on Sunday night. A chicken par- oh, I had good chicken parma, though. And well, it could be Australia's national dish. Oh, shoot. It's However, oh. there is a fight over whether it's an Australian dish, an Italian dish, or an American dish. Oh, I'll tell you what. The- now, Wikipedia, which is a well-known source of yes. some truth, yes. have been discussing whether the website entry for the beloved dish has been too slanted towards Australia. Oh. And some say Parmigiana's roots in Italy should be highlighted. Well, when you think of the name Parmigiana, yeah, well, it's, it's, sort it's of got Italian. a fairly Italian origin, Fairly Italian, right? yep. So what's really happened here is it depends on what you say when you mean chicken Parmigiana because the dish Australia likes is a Parmigiana, which is obviously a crumbed chicken breast topped with yes. tomato sauce, yes. melted cheese and, and ham. ham. <laughs> Served with chips and salad, yeah. which is the a pub classic since ha- since I was a lad. And jalapenos, if you want to spice. Oh, it. you can have. Hey. There's a place you can hey. go. You can have 25 different types oh, of wow. toppings on your wow. palmer. Love it. But it's a take on a dish that was originated in Italy, although that dish didn't typically use chicken. Oh. It used things like veal or eggplant or vegetable base. How good's veal? Veal is how good for you? Off the charts, good. Veal cotoletto, veal milanese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's no. If you go to Italy, you're not going to find a chicken parma anywhere in anyone's cookbook. But the origin of the recipe comes from there. We've just substituted with the good old chicken because we love chicken in this country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would eat chicken once a week, easy. Yeah. Oh yeah, I would. I would. And um, but the thing, the Americans have piped in. Their version yeah. is served on a sandwich. Of course it is, because ah. they'll, they'll whack anything between two slices of bread and have a whack down the gullet. Yep. Or on spaghetti, because you can't get enough oh. carbs in America. <laughs> so you got your chicken parma on, on, spaghetti. on spaghetti. That's called carb superloading. Oh, my God. Um, I was only thinking the Yanks might have sort of laid claim, because surely they're the only ones that couldn't... It, couldn't just eat it. I mean, you and I could just eat a chicken palm without yeah. the topping, right? Yeah, but they'd have to have everything. But they've got to have Chuck's ranch stuff. dressing, so Thousand been, Island so dressing. So it might have been then that chucked the ham and the chicken. Yeah, they yeah. probably had a porterhouse. We would probably happen with a chicken schnitty, which is a great thing in, yeah. in and of itself. You yeah, know, yeah, it the, is. You're, Absolutely. You're playing villain undressed chicken schnitty. Yep. A genius thing. Yeah. yeah. Bit of lemon. Yeah. Bang. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. But we've whacked the, the, the doona on it. Yeah. The tomato sauce, cheese, and ham doona. Now, can I tell you, here's a little secret. I don't know if you know. So, anyway. Oh, sorry. Keep just going. to finish on yes, that. Please. I, my, I'm the judge here, mm-hmm. and I do consider it of Italian origin, hence the name, but we've made that dish ours. There's no other country in the yep. world yep. that serves the crumb chicken breast, yep. which has been hammered down a bit so it's thin. Yeah, yeah a bit thin. And put on the doona yeah. of tomato sauce, <laughs> melted cheese, and ham. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm just talking about a chicken parma, and anyone listening, it's only, I don't know what time you're listening to this program, but you go, you want to go and have one today. Yeah. Because they are genius. Well. And you can't put your parma on top of the chips. That's no good. You've got to have the chips on the side and the salad on the side. Yeah, because, no, absolutely. Because the chips get all, yeah, that's just a little bit of a thing. Tip, tip to chefs out there. Now, anyway, so that's uh, I just thought I'd lead off with that. Well, Normally we get to food later in the program, but we've gone early. No, that's good. But I'm going to tell you: Have you heard about a place called 
Marcos. Marcos, no. I'm going to send you to Industrial Moorabbin. Mm-hmm. You're going to go up uh, Wickham Road. Mm-hmm. You're going to turn left into Chesterville Road. And about 50 to 60 metres on your left-hand side is a little shop. And inside that shop are two wonderful people who uh, I've gotten to know over the journey. And if he doesn't make the best chicken parmigiana, sorry, it's actually It'd be a, a chicken schnitty roll. It's a chicken schnitty roll. Yeah. However, you see the the chicken schnitty, you can choose what coating you'd like. So you can have garlic and paprika. <laughs> then you see it being dropped fresh into the very good oil, mm-hmm. comes back out, and then you go to the salad bar oh. with the chilli and the tomato. So whatever, and you can have the 6-inch or the 12-inch. Ooh, the super sub. <laughs> if it's not one of the best chicken schnitties, because he's actually won an award. The tradies come from the, all over town. Mate, they line up out the door yeah. to get into this joint. I bet. He, uh, if he doesn't sell three to four hundred schnitties a day, I, I, you'll go I, here I'm, for Tiggy. I'll go here for Tiggy. Yeah. Brilliant. So I'm going to find. I'm going to send you to Marco's one day. Well, I'm going now. Um, I've, he I've, even I've makes. Ri- he, I've written the address. He now. even makes a breakfast pocket oh, where bacon oh, and eggs and then all the chili and all the stuff goes into it like a pit of pocket. It's magnificent. Absolute. One of the. Great institutions that is probably not very well known in the birds, other than local. Oh, tradies uh, would be all over. Oh, the tradies are all over, oh. and and the local community just flocks there, flock to a palmer, uh, and two very nice people too that run. Lovely, so awesome. Good. So that um, so that caught our eye, right? Um, through the week, good. The other thing I just said on sad news: we had a departure oh. during the week, Scotty. Uh, well, that's um, good, um, and. Um, Oh, look, I've just lost a bit of um, something here, but no, no, but it's all oh. good. Um, so we did lose someone through the week, which I thought was a sadness. If you were born and uh, raised and uh, listened to music in the 70s, um, you would probably remember this song, um, which I'll just give a spin now. Sadly, I'm conjuring um, up tartan pants. You are conjuring tartan. <laughs> if you are conjuring tartan, you would be right. But sadly, um, the lead singer of the Bay City Rollers, Les McGowan, McEwen, sorry, to be fair, lost his fight oh, with cancer oh. uh, last week, age 65. Gee, Only very young. No good. Um, which is sad, but they were huge back in the 70s. Oh, oh, I thought mighty. they were fairly daggy, but um, the girls mighty. loved them. Uh, Love them. They had a lot. They had a fair few number one hits with their tartan pants. <laughs> <laughs> they sing a song called "Bye Bye Baby." They is, did. Uh, memory. They had "Shang a Lang," "Give a Little Love." Yeah, um, that's it. Uh, they did a. They did that version, which is Saturday Night, which is great, and they were huge. Did you have the in the album? late seventies? I di- I didn't. No, I, do. I must profess. I was. Uh, I can't. I was I, not a fan. I, I can't. I can't profess that but I. They, I can't profess that I didn't. <laughs> they were fun. They were a very <laughs> fun, fun band. Fun band. Yeah. I was more of a Slade guy. Yeah, yeah. You're, I was a bit. You're, of, you know, you're heavy. I was, I was a bit heavy. You're just heavy. A bit of heavier guy than that. <laughs> so anyway, Bay City Rollers. Sad to see him go at such yeah. a young age. It's a incredibly young age when you think about it. Yep. Um. So sadly, he passed away. So we say our condolences no too. No. Those and the fans everywhere good. who would be. Um, and if you think feeling a little bit of the mortality yeah. right now, well, if you, mate. If you think about it, no, maybe it's because um, you're such a music fitness guru. Um, <laughs> um, there's been quite a few musos that have sort of gone to the other side in the last twelve we've months. We've hasn't lost, there? we've lost a, we've too lost many. A, a lot in the last twelve we've months. Lost too many. Scott. I mean, I know we've lost people generally, but yeah. lots of musos and seems to have. Uh, it's not good. No. No, anyway, so I just thought I'd mention that because I spotted that through the week. Right. Uh, wanted to uh, recognise that. Yeah. Recognise Condolences that. and yes. uh, RIP. Yes. 
The other thing I recognise through the week, yeah. which is which is the most recognisable mullet in Australia. Oh. Now, I know the AFL players have gone bunter with they their hairstyles. They've gone completely bunter. They've gone quite crazy with them because oh. there are some really rude heads oh, some of them with mullets shocking. on them. But the one I love is Cameron Smith, the golfer. Oh, yeah. Pretty good. He's been rocking his mullet. Yeah, pretty good. And he's a pretty good player. Yeah, right? he goes so right. he's on the Masters and he's flinging this beautiful red bag mullet out. Yeah. But he's um he's on he was on tour. He's in the um this tournament with um with our old mate um Leishman. The Leishman. And they won a doubles they tournament. They did. But what was unknown is that um Leishman cut his hair before the tournament. That's right. <laughs> he gave his mullet a trimmer. Yes, he did. <laughs> And uh, I thought that was bloody fantastic. Two blokes on tour, a couple of cans. Can you cut my hair, mate? And they're running two squillion between them. And you go, no, I'll just get loose to cut it. He couldn't possibly muck it up because it's already horrendous. It looks awful. But um, everyone's getting around him um, on it. And what's interesting about it is the USPGA Tour are handing out 50... They've got a $50 million pot of money. Yes. And they're handing it out in player bonuses to to reward players who move the needle, as they say, oh. on and off course. Oh. So um, that's a lot of coin. He's basically he's put his hand up for a share of it. Basically, so I'm, I'm introducing new mullet lovers to the game of golf, right? Probably. And uh, you, you probably I don't know if you've noticed Paige uh, Spiraliak, who the busty girl who does golf tips. Uh, no, oh, you've probably seen her. She's on a couple of those sports betting ads with Shark O'Neill. Oh, yeah, that's her in the background. Right. Um, yes, so I... she's putting her hand up for a bit of that because she's got a couple of assets she thinks were, are worth <laughs> investing in. Um, but um, I would think it's it would be fantastic if he got an allocation of this bonus pool based on the fact that he's, he's got, got a, a mullet. mullet. Oh, that wouldn't that just wouldn't be that be just yeah. remarkable? Who's the uh, who's the doggies bloke? Is a uh, Bailey Smith? Oh, he's got he, the he, worst he, one of all time. Oh, I reckon he rocks that he's pretty bad, well. He's as good as what as, as remember Wayne Wiedemann? Yeah, Wayne Wiedemann. who yeah, played yeah. for the Crows yeah. back in the day. Yeah, yeah, it's about that standard. Oh, I tell level. you what. Well, I saw a game of footy on the weekend, uh, probably even yesterday. Today maybe, and I saw a bloke that was sort of sort of all shaved at the front that just looked as though he had a raccoon on the back of his head. <laughs> There's just this piece that sat down the back that just looked horrendous. Oh, the mullet. Anyway, it was yeah. Well, it was an embarrassment to mullets. This one, I could. <laughs> <laughs> if that's possible. Anyway, all right. You. That's enough about mullets. Okay, we'll be back in a sec. And you're back with two smoking guns. Oh, look at see these mullets. Oh, we are, oh, we've been looking at some mullets uh, <laughs> off air, and uh, gee, there's some beauties around. It must oh. see everything old is new again. If you if things come back in style, if you'd have said <laughs> back in the '80s when the mullet was going around, when Johnny Farnham yes had the world, he's the king of mullets. Yeah, for sure. Everyone would have gone. What a what a terrible hairstyle. That'll never come back. <laughs> I beg to differ. Sticks Kernahan? Sticks Kernahan. Hey? That was all back. But people would have said, gee, gee, we've moved on past that phrase. No, we're firmly back. So is there is there some sort of um, evolution of time? When we talk about everything old and new again. Yes. So, you know, Sticks back in the 80s. So is it, is it about this 40-year mark where you go, when I was 10, I was wearing treads. And if treads are coming back, it's about 40 years now. I reckon the so, one that'll come back uh, that no one thought would be back will be the perm. Oh, do you reckon? Oh, yeah. I reckon. Oh, the, the, the Leo Sayer perm. Oh, stop it. That's got to come The Vinnie Cotoggio. The Vinnie Cotoggio. <laughs> That's got to be the next oh, on the agenda, no, doesn't it? it can't be. Hey. I, I can't have blokes in hairdressing shops getting perms. The Renee Kink style look. And all you of that. Perm, you had a mullet. He had a mullet for sure. <laughs> had a head like a robber's dog. <laughs> <laughs> Staying overseas on sports, Scotty. Yes. It's been an interesting uh, time in the world of soccer. Yes. In case so, you haven't yeah, noticed. Well, I, I've heard a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, a couple of um, rich blokes that own soccer clubs in the uh, UK and elsewhere, yes. decided to be a really good idea yes. if they formed their own competition. Yeah, a little breakaway group. A little breakaway yeah. group because that could mean we could we could gobble up all the money. If Kerry Packer can do it with cricket, so can we. Correct, <laughs> correct. 
So um, what uh, they what they got the feedback they got. Um, is it called? That's the first time I've heard vitriol called feedback. They got some firm feedback <laughs> from the rest of the competition who weren't involved. A, B, the fans, and see uh, everybody else on the planet who said, "Get your hands off our game." Get your mother duck. Effectively, <laughs> um, but it was a big. Uh, Error of judgment, oh, a faux pas. So this is for the people who don't know what we're talking about. The, uh, the European Super League was going to have 15 founding members, some out of the UK, some out of Italy, some out of Germany, la 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 la. Yep. And as soon as they uh, took a temperature check, they've yep. all run a mile. Oh, hey? You would have thought they could have done some pre-research or would have had the sense and sensibility to go that we're stuffing around with something that's perfectly good, that the fans love, but um, this hadn't. But this was all about no fans. This yeah. is actually all about TV rights and it? earning, you know, squillion more dollars in payments. It was all about making money. It's all about it making all money. About. Don't worry about you're a supporter and it costs you two hundred quid every time you go and see a game, and you probably only earn thirty thousand quid a year. So the um, it's it's uh, the concept lasted a very short time. <laughs> twenty four hours, thirty six hours. Um, one British newspaper <laughs> listed seven things that lasted longer than the European Super League concept. <laughs> Among them were Kim Kardashian's marriage to NBA player Chris Humphreys, seventy two days. Oh, uh, the groceries in your fridge, seven to ten days. <laughs> and our favourite on this show, the Suez Canal blockage. <laughs> Which lasted six days. Six days, right. Very good. So, uh, I'll tell you what, they've uh, an error of judgment there, but uh, I thought that was highly amusing through the week. They put themselves in their own sewers canal and that was right up their sewers. Now, anyway, speaking of things overseas, uh, this is, uh, you would have to put this into the you've got to be joking category. Uh, let me just open up with this, um, and it's been everywhere, so I'm not making this up, and I'll, I'll sort of tidy bits of it up if I need to. There was a teacher who went on a school camp yes. with children, and <clears throat> he actually got drunk. <laughs> so well, well, kids will not drive quite in. sure <laughs> what part of um, what are you doing. Uh, Teaching. He, understood. Um, he, he then... Uh, I'm reading the headline, and which I won't, because now I'm going to actually read you the body of the of the material. A teacher who got drunk with pupils and took them to an establishment where there are some uh, scantily clad workers. Oh, okay, like a dance academy. Yeah, a yes. da- yeah, yeah. While on a school trip to... It's a horizontal Cost- folk dancing academy. We're, well, no, not, not quite. quite. Sort of one step back from right. that. Yeah, right. this is a, where you go and make donations Just, into material. Oh, don- donations, yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, on a school trip to Costa Rica... <laughs> Costa Rica? Yeah, he's, he's been banned from from teaching. And was he the sex education teacher? Uh, no, okay. just just let me work through this and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask you how long you think he's been rubbed out for, right? right. Because it's pretty serious tish. Um, Richard Glenn, co- uh, commonly known as Dick Glenn, <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, who, oh, who taught I IT, that coming to mind. who taught it's his actual name, who taught uh, uh, IT at Longridge Tower School in Berwick upon Tweed in the UK, also threatened students and exposed himself to a woman in his hotel room. Oh dear, is that a good night? Fees at the private school in Northumberland cost. Up to four thousand eight hundred and fifty pound a term for day pupils. <laughs> so she's up there. If you can extrapolate and they get, that out, um, they get to go on a, a, a school trip to Costa Rica. Yeah. So his behaviour uh, was seemed to be so so unacceptable <laughs> yes. that he was sent home early from the trip. Sent home early. <laughs> he got sent home you early. You can go home from school uh, early. The teaching regulation agency heard. Um, Mr. Glenn, 55, admitted to gross misconduct and was sacked from his job in August 2019, the BBC reported. Um, the, mispo- uh, the misconduct panel heard how the teacher, who was also head of sixth form, was looking after a group of 16- to 18-year-olds when he got drunk with them and took them to the scantily clad place where some people work. Um, 
I go on. <laughs> on the same trip, the married married father of two oh, threatened to kick <laughs> kick one pupil in the head huh? and kill another. Wow. <laughs> uh, it just gets better for this he bloke. He must have been really good tequila. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was also accused of, accused of acting aggressively towards a female colleague who was leading the trip. Uh, Mr. Glenn also exposed himself to a woman in the hotel, um, although it was agreed that this was not malicious or sexually motivated. <laughs> so what? It was educational or yeah, right. just for fun? Just for fun. Um, the panel concluded... <laughs> He put pupils in his care at risk during an alcohol-fueled night on July the 5th, 2019. Powell's report read, Mr. Glenn was, at very times during the school trip, under the influence of alcohol and therefore not in a position to adequately take decisions to act in loco parentis should the need arise. This was in circumstances where people under his care in an unfamiliar country far from home are relying on him for guidance and protection. Wow. wow. Mr. Glenn was an experienced teacher and Pastoral leader. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's gone to some new pastures, I can tell you. Who <laughs> would have been expected to lead in overseas Costa trips Costa Rica. Um, it was added there was no malice or sexual intent in taking the students to the um, dancing club. Hmm. Uh, so, given that rap sheet, uh, Your Honour. Never happened to me in my school excursions. No, no. Um, you, you know to I mean? Dramana. I, I don't <laughs> or I Philip saw, Island. I don't reckon I saw anybody of the opposite sex at La Batouche. <laughs> I wasn't going to Costa Rica. <laughs> so, given old mate's rap sheet, yeah. uh, Your Honour, uh, could you please hand down your sentence? He's out for life. Life? He's a life yeah, He's a life? He's a lifer. Yeah, I, no, uh, I concur mm. if I was to sit uh, alongside you. Um uh, there's been an appeal. Mm. Um, well, there actually hasn't been an appeal. Um, but the, he must have got an unusual judge. Mm. He's out for three years. Three? Three Take years. him that long to sober up. <laughs> <laughs> he probably gets out. He, he probably... He's not even going inside. He just kidding. can't teach for three years. That's all he got. He got three years. Richard Glenn has been banned from teaching for three years. Wow. I rest my case. Which school was it again? <laughs> it's, a long, it's a long way from here. <laughs> what? And does he have a brother? Does he have a... <laughs> so there we go. Oh, mate, There's that's... a couple of weird old mates around that's, the world. Um... That if, you, if ever you thought that you were going to um, lead... Uh, students up <laughs> terribly wrong path. Oh, that's a shocking old, old story. Old mate has just carved a whole it's, new. I know we're laughing. Oh, it's it's not, a terrible it's story a, about uh, gross. You know, the worst part of the story is the is the penalty on him. Yeah, that's to true. me. I mean, that's true. no, the kids have been put in an awful situation as well. I mean, I'm not downplaying that for a minute, but for goodness sake, that's life. See you later. Yeah. Um, find a new vacation, yeah, mate. Correct, mate. Yeah. Correct. Anyway. All right. A bit of a rant. Yeah, but no, that's fine. That's, that's good. That's good. Uh, um, totally changing pace. <laughs> totally changing pace. I want to bring you back to one of my favourite people in the whole world, Barry Humphreys. Oh, yeah. How good is Barry Humphreys? So Barry Humphreys lives in London now, as you know. Yes, he does. But uh, here's a picture of him, for those who can't see. He's holding a, <laughs> holding a Melways. Ah. So he's been writing poetry through COVID. Right. About his beloved Melbourne town. Oh, he loves Melbourne. He does. He love does Melbourne. love Melbourne. And he's written a passionately. He's written a lovely. He's written a book called Stirring Stanzas. Oh, and, and he's written a little poem called The Suburbs in Between. Oh, nice. And, if, and we've got we've got five minutes. I just wouldn't Can mind. Can you run me through? This? I'm just going to take you through this. Oh, please, because it's lovely. Right? So these are all the sort of. The ones that we don't know much about yes. that sit between sort of Richmond and South Yarra or something. In my best poetry reading yes. voice. I'm going to listen intently. I'll, I'll give you this quietly. one. Right. We, we who know old Melbourne town regard ourselves as lucky. Now, the Paris end of Collins Street is much more like Kentucky. The exhibition gardens are threatened with an axe, and Melbourne reeks of whoppers, nuggets, and Big Macs. <laughs> Turak has gone to rack and ruin. South Yarra is a bore. And St Kilda Road will soon look like a poor man's Singapore. How to rediscover Melbourne? As long ago it must have been. 
I suggest we start exploring the suburbs in between. Yes. If you know Clifton Hill and Collingwood, I beg you to beat a path to that Cinderella suburb, that time capsule, Westgarth. Yes. Forget Ringwood, forget Bayswater, you'll find the peace you want in undulating, uneventful, overlooked Heathmont. I know Camberwell too well, and Burwood always lacked attraction, but a stroll through Hartwell guarantees delightful satisfaction. And although Peran and Armadale have acquired a certain tone, Hawksburn is a hidden charm and a wonder of its own. You may sing in praise of Baldwin, but perhaps you've never been. For a walk on a wet Wednesday down the byways of Deep Dean. You may like Preston for its market, remember Coburg for its jail. But give me the joys of Croxton, Strathmore or Ascot Vale. You love Mornington and Portsea, but I travel west instead to peaceful Hopper's Crossing or remote Indented Head. My mother would go shopping in chic chapeau and hand in glove in that city by the arrow that only Chinese students love. <laughs> for its students and the footy that keep Melbourne in the black, until the citizens revolt and beg like me to journey back, where delightful havens beckon like Bentley and Bulleen, for Melbourne's magic has been banished to the suburbs in between. Fantastic. Fantastic. Hey, do you bit know of, what? Bit of, bit of poetry on the two smoking I, guns, just to, for everyone's edification and amusement. I wrote down here on a piece of paper... Yes. Hartwell. Hartwell. Yes. I was, and that's what, that was the first thing that came to mind when you said the in-between is I've gone, yeah, yeah like, like Hartwell. Did you like just, that? I'd love that. So what's happened with that is um, he's, uh, he's written a quite, of these, quite a few of these odes. Um, and um, what's happened is our favourite band on the show, The Weddings Parties Anything, oh, with yeah. Mick Thomas, um, he's decided to create a new album that pays tribute to Melbourne called Cities Calling Me. It's not out yet. Yep. But he's used a lot of Barry Humphrey's poems to and put them to music. Right. And Barry's, you know, accepted and Barry's is happy, happy, with happy with all of that. So it's all been Did Barry get a goose's all been ne- cleared. Did he get a goose's neck? Huh? He get a couple of goose's necks? I don't know what he got for. <laughs> but um, so Barry Humphrey's part of it, weddings and parties, anything. Brian Nankervis, uh, yes. who's also a genius, yes, he, is. he recites some poetry and other on some of the tracks on the album, and uh, other songwriters uh, are singing on the album, including Angie Hout, Charles Beckers, Tim Rogers and Van Walker. So it's a little project which yes. is coming out soon based on Barry Humphrey's lovely poems, Yes, and I just think that is a cultural tome that should be relished. Um, so we don't so, have any of the songs because they're not out yet. Right. But what I do have for you I, is a lovely Weddings and Parties Anything I song. I have one question yes. for you before you go to the song. Yes. Do you think that Brian Nancurvis will have done that recital in the same way he did on Hey Hey Saturday back <laughs> in the day? <laughs> he was a genius. He was a way ahead of his time. <laughs> and in fact, I'll tell you what I'll just very, very quickly. Um... Uh, somebody posted something the other day. He does uh, like a rock um, uh, trivia night, and he's the MC. Yes, I've and seen. apparently it's meant to be brilliant. We'd go he's, for that for huh? sure. We'd go yeah, for that. I, yeah, we need to. Anyway, so we're going to yeah. play a little wedding, song wedding by parts. the the weddings, the widows. Love them. Called Under the Clocks. Lovely.
You're back with two smoking guns on the other side of that uh, that break. You heard the widows under the clocks. Meet you under the clocks at Flinders Street Station. It, it, it almost sounded a little bit like a, a sea shanty. It was a sea shanty. <laughs> bit of an Irish, <laughs> bit of an ditty. Irish jig. Yes. <laughs> They're a great band. Jigging. Oh, they were a great band. Hey, now, oh mate. Yes, mate. Um, as I said to you at the top of the show, um, I'll tell you what I've decided to do just as an in-between. I'm going to do a bit more work on how I'm going to make you live for a day. Yes. All right? So, because I need to, I think I might need to have some adjustments. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Just so I know you're going to be here the following week. Right. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to save that because we said we're going to do it today, but we're not. But, but uh, as a lovely segue from your tremendous poem that you read by uh, Barry Humphreys, um, I did tell you at the uh, top of the show that uh, when I was sort of scratching around and, and I went to, as I said, I was, you know, I was in the shower the other morning and had the shampoo going. And yeah, I the, went, the, the shampoo that what, we now know the origin of. Why is it called shampoo? Yeah. And then I went, right, so anyway, I trotted off on a down a path. But what I came across was this fantastic little montage um, of uh, common words that didn't exist back in the 70s. So we're talking about 50 years ago now. Okay. So, right. I mean, it's a bit of time. A bit of time. But, um, so I'm just going to run some of these past you. Yes. And, um, and I just like a reaction from you, if right. that's all right. So the first one is um, factoid. Factoid. Yes. Well, I didn't even know that was a word. So, firstly, um, are facts which have no existence before appearing in a magazine or newspaper, creations which are not so much lies as a product of manipu- uh, to manipulate emotion in the silent majority. Right. So. Let's unpack that. So they're not facts. No. It's crap. And what's the oid bit? Is that void? Is uh, it a portmanteau of facts and voids? Uh, So are they... They are are void facts? Although it says there's been lots of debate ever since about exactly how much truth are contained in factoids. Yes. I think it's a a non-truth. Yeah, it's sort of a... It's to make something up to get someone's dander up and get other people's attention, I reckon. Anyway, next word. Uh, that didn't exist until the 70s, Watergate. Of course. Yes. But that's a... Uh, so... That's pri- a noun. Yes. Well, it's a yes. word, I guess. Yes. yes. Word. So prior to 1972, Watergate was just a luxury hotel and office complex in Washington, D.C. Yes. And then we had Watergate, uh, which all about Tricky Dicky, obviously. Um, number three, which is just about escaped me, um, Mem. M-E-M-E. Oh, meme. Oh, meme. Meme, yes. Meme. That's those things that you'll see occasionally that are little excerpts of video clips that uh, go for about a, you know, like a gif or a meme. Yeah, a gif. How do you enter the curve? Oh, mate, yeah, I'm all over the socials. Um, I'm just hanging out with a young crowd. So, definition of um, meme, a reworking of the ancient Greek word meme, roughly translated as mimic, Combined with gene and was a unit of cultural transmission. Yeah, there you go. A meme. Anyway. So, number four, yeah. ATM. Yeah, well, true. We didn't have ATMs. So automatic, automatic teller machine. I don't think I probably need to that's uh, what that stands uh, extrapolate for? that any further, do I? Yes. Uh, self-explanatory for yes. mine. Um, the, the next one, politically correct. <laughs> yes. Nothing was politically Oxymoron. Correct. Well, it's one of the great <laughs> oxymorons. I totally agree. So, uh, anyway, PC is uh, alive and well, I uh, can assure you. Sadly. Sadly. Uh, number six, Gonzo. Gonzo. Yeah. Was he the character from The Muppet oh, Show? How good was Gonzo in The Muppet Show? But anyway, um, it was Bill. Or is that more Gonzo journalism? Well, um so, yes, yes, it actually is. Yes. Who has first used the word gonzo to describe the fiercely subjective and likely elaborated journalism of Hunter S. Thompson all the yes. way back Fear to... Fear and June. Loathing in Las Vegas. One of the great so books, if you've never read it. That's exactly right, my yes. friend. So, uh, that's gonzo. The next one is trifecta. Oh, well, I, yes. I have a story about that. Ah, Please. Um, my father was involved in the racing industry. Yes. And uh, that was one of the bets that was originated under his watch. Oh, really? Yes. If we're talking about the trifecta where you pick six horses, uh, three. first three horses <clears throat> in a straight line. So the introduction of there's that. There's a single trifecta or a box. Or a trifecta. box trifecta. Yes, correct. 
My father was actually instrumental in the introduction of the quadrilla. Oh, wow. Really? Mm. Yes, as a bet type. Well, there you go. Famous. There's a factoid for There's you. A factoid for you, absolutely. A trifecta uh, started as a horse racing league in the 70s where you could... Soon, trifecta was being used to describe pretty much everything that came in sets of threes. Yes, like a Brisbane so, Lions trifecta of exactly. premierships or something like um, that. Back in the, uh, before the 70s, we didn't have the word gigabyte. Of course we didn't, because we no. didn't, and still don't know what that means. Uh, well, it's, uh, it's a so unit of measurement of storage. Yeah, gigabytes, common, uh, common parlance in tech conversations, uh, was for most consumers purely uh, theoretical. After all, back then, most te- uh, technological specs were measured in terms of kilobytes, and for the more linguistic backstories, uh, <laughs> read the link, <laughs> <laughs> um, we didn't use the word downsize. No. No, we didn't, no. did we? So I'm not going. I'm not going to. Did we use of... the word upsize? No, nah, that became a thing when American fast food chains yep. became a sandwich. Can I upsize that meal yep. for you? Yep, and then and the... make you even so larger than you are about... now. So upsizing was about food, and downsizing was about living in a smaller joint. Well, it was about property. Yeah. Right. Apparently, we'd never use the word earworm. Well, I didn't even know that was a word. Okay. <laughs> Oh, no, I know what an earworm is. An earworm is when you hear a jingle or a song and you can't get it out of your head. I fell into a blind, mindless rhythm and a chant was created in my mind. What the Germans call an earworm, he Mm, wrote. That's right. So an earworm would be an annoying ad or an annoying jingle. It's also called tinnitus. (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) We never had had post-its. Like no, but wouldn't notes. you love to be? Oh my God! Seriously, the person that invented the post-it? No, I tell you, there, I, I'm, and I will check this uh, to make sure the facts right. Project managers have gone mad on the stuff. Oh, absolutely! Um, I believe that uh, there was a company offered the rights to Velcro. Said, mm-hmm. It'll never stick. It'll. Do. <laughs> <laughs> True story, though. Boom, boom, boom. But apparently, uh, no, no, that won't work. That won't work. <laughs> well, hello. Uh, endorphin. We never use the word endorphin. Endorphins. Yeah. Because we probably didn't know what uh, they were. An endorphin rush. But yes. we'd all be in the dark about endorphins if it wasn't for Cho Lee, a chemist from California, who first isolated the biochemical from the uh, pituitary gland in 1975 and discovered that when it was 48 times more powerful than morphine. Go, Cho. Hey. 48. Times more powerful than morphine. That's because it's an endorphin, not a morphine. So it's an endorphin. Endo's more than more. Morphine, so, endorphin. So endorphin. when you go to the hospital next, they're going to give you an endorphin rush and hope that the pain doesn't come through because apparently it's more potent than morphine. Brilliant. I don't know. We never use the word spaz. Um, and it was sort of just about somebody being a bit goofy and yeah. all that. Um we never used the word couch potato. <laughs> no, we wouldn't have. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, that would have come in around so, about the time of the norm. Norm life be in it <laughs> advertisements. Uh, we never used the word granola. Yes, and I—it's a good reason I'll for that. Tell you what, it's just a bag of mixed nuts and oats. Yeah, exactly. It? it looks disgustingly healthy. Um, this one uh, I found interesting. We never used the word hot pants. Really? I would have thought you would have had hot pants in the... They were in the 50s. 50s and 50s 60s, 60s wouldn't they? Absolutely. Anyway, um, we never used the word winning, uh, winningest. No, that's, see, that's bad English. That's I, just, I refuse to uh, even comment on that. Do you know the one that irks me the most these days mm. that kids use? Who are we reversing this week? Oh, no, we can't do that. Huh? We're doing English today. Huh? That is not... Not the correct Who are we versing? Yes, and that's terrible, like, oh isn't it? Uh, we never what are used, we teaching them? We never use the word youpa. I didn't know it was a word. Neither did I. How, does it, how is it spelled? Uh, uh, Y-O-O-P-E-R. Yeah, that would be an American slang So word you don't have something. to be from Midwest yeah, to know yeah. that people who live in Upper Peninsula or Michigan are called youpas. Yeah, of course they are because it's American. So there you go. So, they, so uh, we never used the word Walmart, although I thought that was before the 70s. We never used the word karaoke, but I thought, would have thought that was... Now, the derivation of karaoke would be interesting. A regular jukebox is for listening. Um... Uh, 
This would be a jukebox for singing. His jukebox for singing, which he dubbed karaoke, became hugely hugely popular in Japanese bars. Why did he call it karaoke? Uh, Because it just... I don't There'd know. be a Excellent. Japanese word, wouldn't there? That it's so, that it'd be the translation of singing machine. Christmas, sadly, uh, you know, never made a dime from his history-making innovation, but he has no regrets. He, if he tried patenting karaoke, he says it would never have taken off the way it did. Hmm. Anyway, so um, I've done karaoke. Yeah, yeah, I've done a couple. You have of times. to be. Um, Several sheets <clears throat> to the wind to do karaoke. You have to have, you have, to have lots of sake before <laughs> you do lots karaoke. Of sake. <laughs> before you do karaoke. Uh, we never use the word woke. We never use the Good. word asbestos. Oh, and didn't that rounds. We? You reckon? Seriously? Before nineteen seventy, we wouldn't have discovered it. No, we were, knew, sti- we were they, sticking it in a million rooms, they, but we didn't know what it was called. They, were, they knew all about it back in the nineteen tens and twenties. Let yeah, me tell you. So, um, so there's twenty five words that didn't exist allegedly before the seventies. Well, that's good. I like it. So you know, a little bit of. Um, so we'll, we'll do another word. I like or, that. Or origin piece of different things. I well, love origins of words. Yes, we do. Don't well we? done. Well done, you, sir. Thank you, sir. Beautiful. Excellent. Now, um, now you were talking to me off off air, yeah. and I think we've got we got we got a little what time. A, how much have we got? We've got a couple we, of minutes. Yeah, we got probably two three minutes. The, your wine trends intrigued yeah. me. Okay, can you take me through yeah. that, please? So I was it just I had a wild random thought. Uh, I was thinking about I'm actually dealing with a wine company uh, at the moment, and um, who shall be no, who, not be known, uh, but we know their produce and it's very good. And some of their people who are also lovely people, um, about to be lovelier hopefully. Um, <laughs> but that got me thinking. What are the and I was almost going to ring my friend uh, from there. Uh, from said place to to ask um, her what uh, trends there are, but I thought yeah. no, I need to be more global. Yes, global. So I've just gone, and in fact, um, I'm going to give you wine trends for 2020 because, um, oh. uh, so this sort of goes back to crazy old last year. So, so this is obviously done sort of at the end of sort of 19, I guess, um, and it starts with the number one trend. Yes, alcohol free wine. Oh, no, so we're doing this again, yeah, are we? Lo- yeah. oh. So, wait, what? Alcohol-free wines? Yeah, oh. Is this is is this a thing? I yep, hope it's, it's a sure short-term is. trend. Mofo. The never-ending cycle of dry, mouth, uh, dry months and fitness kicks means that people need something to drink. So, it, mate, and then uh, I'll save it for another day, but I've got 25 wines that are, have almost no... Uh, alcohol or zero alcohol in them. And really? I'm going to tell you what they are, who makes them, and how much they are. Okay, you and knock yourself out. I won't be writing any of these yeah, down. No, I know. So number, <laughs> so number two on the list, if you thought number one was bad enough, how about vegan? Vegan? Oh, Vegan-friendly oh, no. wines. Stop it. Stop uh, it. So anyway, let's come back into normality. Um, different I suppose they're organic, <laughs> vegan, no, low-alcohol <laughs> wines, are they? They're called Why Bother. Are they made out of <laughs> kale now, are they? Uh, so the, the third one is uh, different formats. Uh, the classic glass wine bottle has had a fair run, but we're officially in the future. So expect well, We're not to back see, to bar casts, Expect are we? to see more experimentation with different formats. From wine in a can, yay or nay, to no. newer keg systems which are popping up at pubs and restaurants likely around the world. Um, this is a bit like wine on tap. Yeah, I've seen that quite a bit and it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. You, so you need to be careful about how long the wine's been stored in its vessel. Yep. Because wine, wine doesn't respond well to air. No, no? correct. So as long as there's a correct equipment. I've got wine in my fridge at home in cans. Well, that's fine. Good mm. on you. I'm happy for um, you. Because it you says know, can... Don't, don't, you'd need to drink it, I would have thought... Within three seconds. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't leave it. You wouldn't put it down, it doesn't for example. Need, it doesn't need to breathe. No, it doesn't need to <laughs> It's breathe. not that top of the oh, right, okay. Um, but it just says here, can wines for picnics and festivals. It makes perfect sense. No. Um, what about uh, wines of transparency? <laughs> What? The power of choice in the hands of the consumer in the age of Google, nothing and uh, nothing is an unknown. We now have the resources to find where the product came from. So it's all about now uh, where it's going to come from. And then less fruit, more funky. 
oh. is a trend. Right. Uh, so all these flavours. Oh, there's some more funky flavours. Yeah, so it's all about um, savoury spices. Notes pop up more frequently in the reds than we've yeah, seen yeah, back seen, in the I've sort of the bit of that, yeah. So more fruit, bit more, bit more laughter. Yes. Within a wine. Well, I think, you know, I mean, wine by its very nature is experimental. And I think it's fantastic. People are doing cracks at it. And it's completely subjective. But I do like it with uh, a, a little steak. bit of a relaxation <laughs> quantity. Yeah. So I'm not sure the non-alcohol wine's going to get so, a large run at our joint. But anyway. Next week, I'm going to give you trends of 2021. Brilliant. And I'm going to give you the top 25 wines that um, you can drink all day and drive your car. Okay, sounds like a plan. <laughs> That's uh, a wrap. That's a wrap from the two smoking guns for uh, got another week, and it flies by, doesn't it? Every time we do this program, love it. But um, we love it. Hope you love it too, and we'll see you soon. See you, mate.